You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. They did it. They finally did it. They won back-to-back games. I can't feel my hands. Saints, 17, Browns, 10. This is the post-game edition of Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. And yes... I am wearing a hat because it is cold in my house. I did not go to Cleveland, but it is still about 30 degrees in my house. At least it feels that way. And uh, yeah, it's cold. It was cold out in Cleveland. Um, The Saints found a way to get it done. And, you know, I I have this thing where, you know, I try to be optimistic, but I went on a a Browns podcast and and they asked me for a score prediction. And I was like, (laughs) I am done predicting that the Saints win because I'm tired of being wrong. But hey, maybe I'll do a reverse jinx. And when I finally predict that the Saints go out to Cleveland and lose, they're going to actually win. And hey, that's what happened. I have found that I have superpowers when it comes to reverse jinxing things. So, or jinxing things in general, right? So I'm just started, I've started predicting the opposite of what I hope will happen. And uh, then it comes true. So anyway, Saints won 17 to 10. They trailed 10 to nothing in this game. And everyone wants to harass Dennis Allen and tell him how bad a coach he is and how all the decisions he makes are bad and, and whatever. There's some merit to that. But you do have to give credit when, it, when he does make decisions that pan out, right? And I think in this game specifically, and they question this on the broadcast, and I question it in real life because, you know, when you're looking at a game where one direction of the field, you're going to have the wind in your face and the other half, you are going to have the wind at your back, deciding how to use that and how to implement your strategy in that situation It goes a long way, and in this game, the Saints won the toss, deferred the option. So the Browns got the ball first, and then the Saints got to choose which side of the field they defended, and they chose to play with the wind in the first quarter and the third quarter. Now, the reason I question that is because when you defer, you're not getting the ball first in that situation. The Browns took the ball first. So you are already kind of putting yourself at a disadvantage of, okay, we don't know what's going to happen on this first possession. Well, the Browns had to punt, so it worked out. The Saints obviously didn't score in that first quarter, but 
when it really kind of came to roost was in the third quarter, right? You were able to steal points before halftime with that field goal from Will Lutz. He finally decided to run Taysom Hill. I don't know why it took until three minutes left in the second quarter. I think to some extent it was due to, you know, you had some, you had option or you had read plays as opposed to called runs for Taysom Hill. And the box count was such that you handed it off instead of keeping it. And so that's why Taysom Hill didn't get the ball on some of those plays. I would say that you should be calling those plays. But whatever. And then because they decided to do what they did, that meant that when they got the ball back in the second half, they were playing with the wind in the third quarter. And this third quarter is when they took control of this game. They drove down the field for a touchdown. They intercepted a tipped ball from Deshaun Watson and I think Donovan Peoples-Jones. I could be wrong. Daniel Sorensen, a guy who was in the game because Justin Evans went out with an injury, caught it, brought it back. Alvin Kamara finished it off. Finally, finally tied Marcus Colston for the Saints franchise record for career touchdowns at 72. It has been on the precipice of that since week nine against the Ravens. So took a while for him to get it done, but he did. But all right, we're going to get into a lot more of that. Remember, we're doing a mailbag in the second half of this show. But first off, let's hear from Dennis Allen and what he had to say after the game. We talked all week about this this game was going to be a game of mental toughness. Um, and I thought our guy, I thought our guys showed incredible grit starting starting out the game we went down 10 nothing but the way that they fought back we got the field goal at the end of the first half come right back out in the second half get the touchdown uh and then you know after the interception we're able to take the lead and kind of uh, and then the defense goes out and, and finishes the game so uh, man i got a lot of respect for all those guys that are in that locker room and i i, I think they, sh- they showed a lot of fight today uh, but yeah, we knew the weather conditions were going to be a big factor, and we knew that we were going to have to be able to run the football and run the football well. And uh, I thought all the guys that we put the ball in their hands did an outstanding job of running the ball. Yeah, and you know, I'm already seeing comments saying, you know, they saved Dennis Allen's job today. That's not what happened. And I've been trying to tell people this for weeks: is that this team is playing hard for Dennis Allen. This team likes playing for Dennis Allen. Right. The players like Dennis Allen. <laughs> it's the fans that don't like Dennis Allen and, you know, some of the decisions and you can question them. But like the reason you saw this team go out there and play their asses off is the same reason that they've been doing it all season is because, you know, they're not giving up on this year. They're not giving up on this season. You know, I know that people seem to think that they would be better off losing, but these players aren't going to do that. These players aren't even considering that as an option. They're going to go out and try to win football games, and that's kind of what Alvin Kamara said after the game as well. Um, I mean, that's what we're, we're used to. I don't think we're used to, um, you know, obviously this year we've we've been in the losing <coughs> bracket more than we've been in the winning bracket. So um, I think – all of us know that that we're you know we got a winning pedigree, so it's always week in and week out trying to find a way to get back to that win, the winning ways. So you know nobody nobody in here is a loser. We, we're not we're not we don't have losing uh, uh, cloth in here. You know we're not built by losing bricks. We all have winning bricks. You know we're used to winning. We're we're used to that feeling. So I think everybody's desire to get that feeling is way 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 higher and way more than you know just the desire to just fold and like fold and, and and get ready for next year so we're just gonna keep going and keep trying to win yeah and the cards are actually looking decent for the saints and they're gonna have to depend on the cards to make them look even better see what i did there so the saints now when you look at kind of where they are even if alvin Kamara doesn't want to talk about it i can talk about it where they are in the playoff hunt now the eagles are playing right now they're up 2017 at halftime on the cowboys so that game is interesting for the saints just in the sense that 
if the Eagles win that game, then they have clinched the top seed in the NFC. And so, you know, they don't have really much to play for next week when they play the Saints. Now, if they lose, they still will have to win a game to clinch the NFC. So you will get a more motivated Eagles squad. I know there's people out there saying, well, they're going to be motivated to ruin the Saints draft pick because it's going to, or to improve the Saints draft pick by beating them. So, because they're going to get it. Players on the field, coaches on the field, they are not caring about that. Like, no player is thinking about the next year's draft pick during a season. So, in the sense that they don't have anything to play for, you're talking about motivation. You're not talking about, like, literally, oh, sure, like, they can affect something with this game. Not going to happen. So, you're going to want to root for Philadelphia to win this game. Because, for example, Jalen Hurts is dealing with a sprained shoulder, right? So, if he has the chance to play, and it's really a question of, like, okay, he can gut through it, but will he do that if there's nothing to play for in the sense that you've already clinched the top seed in the NFC? Probably not, right? Whereas if you do need to win, because if the Cowboys win today, right, and the Eagles lose today and lose next week, so all of a sudden they're going into week 18 with a chance of not even clinching the NFC East because they would they would have a chance of losing out and then the Cowboys take it. So you would much rather be facing an Eagles team. And again, this is a 13-1 and Eagles team, so it's a team that you need every advantage you can get, which having them not care that much is a big advantage if you're the Saints. So you want them to lose here. Tomorrow, which would be Sunday, you have the Cards facing the Bucks, the Arizona Cardinals facing the Bucks, and you want the Cardinals to win, obviously. The Bucks have to lose two of their final three games. If they could get that done here, that would feel a lot better for the Saints because the Falcons, they lost to the Ravens. They are officially eliminated from the playoff race, right? They really didn't have much of a chance. They had a worse chance than the Saints even, but now they are officially eliminated. So you really don't want to get to week 18 needing that loss if you can avoid it, if you're the Saints, if you can win next week and have the... Cardinals beat the Bucks tonight. I'm sorry, Sunday night. And then have the Panthers, and that's the other result. The Panthers beat the Lions, which I didn't see coming. But the Panthers beat the Lions, which means that the Panthers actually still control their own destiny in the NFC South. The Panthers, if the Panthers win out, they will win the NFC South. As crazy as that sounds, team that fired their head coach, traded Christian McCaffrey, if they went out, they won the NFC South. So that means that, you know, you have a team next week very motivated to beat the Bucs when they already beat them 21-3 this season. So all that is to say, I think you have a chance. I think you have a chance, and you needed to win this game to be able to think about it and to consider it going forward, and you still can. And so you're rooting for that Eagles team to have as little motivation as possible. Anyway, back to this game, which, you know, this was the coldest game in Saints history, it's got to be one of the coldest games in NFL history. I haven't actually checked on that number, but the coldest game for the Saints prior to this was 1993 against the Eagles in Philadelphia, 24 degrees. This one, I believe it was 11 degrees at kickoff. And uh, AK, AK had a pretty good uh, a pretty good line on it. Yeah, I, yeah, that that was the coldest Saints game in history. Oh yeah, okay, well that that that's some bullshit. <laughs> didn't didn't like be the part of that, but uh, nah, I mean. You know, the, the elements is the elements. We knew it was going to be cold. Um, still had to go out and do a job. Got it done. But I do think it's funny when you when you talk to Alvin, who grew up in Atlanta, right? He's, he's a Southern guy. He grew up in warmer weather versus Carl Granderson, who went to Wyoming. And he and Tano Passigno came out before the game with their shirts off, <laughs> warming up. And it's like, yeah. So you have this kind of like uh, differing ideology. Alvin Kamara did his post-game press conference in a wetsuit. He wore a wetsuit during this game, and uh, yeah, he didn't want to hear about, 
oh, okay, it's a mental cold is a mentality. <laughs> you know, it's cold. I got my own uh, kind of thesis on that. It's cold. It's nothing. It's it's nothing that's gonna make it not cold out there. So you know, we got a job to do. We got to play. If I, if I told you I, I my mind uh, overcame the cold out there, I'd be lying. It was cold the whole time. It was cold when I had the ball. It was cold on the sideline. Um, it was cold when I was walking in the tunnel. It was cold when I was walking out the tunnel. You know, <laughs> we just had to find a way to win. It just kind of is what it is. And then you have the completely differing ideology of Carl Granderson. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't really an idea. You know, I, I went to Wyoming, so this was nothing new for me. It's all a mindset. So if you come in thinking it's going to be cold, it's going to be cold. So I wanted to get out there and uh, adjust to the weather and go with no shirt on. And Tano, he joined me. So he went to, uh, he was in KC. It wasn't nothing for him. So we had to warm the bodies up and, you know, get the mind ready to, to play a big game. I do enjoy that. You know, these two guys, you know, on the same team, they could, feel completely differently about the about the cold when it comes to oh yeah yeah it's mind over matter and then Alvin's like no it's it's mind over mind because I am cold whatever you say um but you know it's it is interesting you look at the Saints team they handled that cold well they didn't look like a team that was that was playing out of their minds they didn't look like a team that was uncomfortable they looked like a very stout defensive group you know Nick Chubb ultimately ended up with 92 yards I don't think he had a great game uh, he had a couple long runs. I think his long run was 19. He had 92 yards on 24 carries, so it was 3.8 yards an attempt. Deshaun Watson had three carries for 24 yards, eight yards a carry. So, I mean, you look at it as like, you know, you went up against two of the top three rushers in the NFL, Josh Jacobs in week 10, I believe. No, in week uh, eight. And then you have Nick Chubb in week 16 neither of them went over 100 yards on you and then you had Tyler Algier go 134 so it's kind of it's you know a lot of it is game plan dependent I thought they did an excellent job when they needed to of stopping Nick Chubb you know there was instances where obviously you had him in third and 11 and you let him run for it I think they had another first and 20 where they gave up 13 to 14 yards it's really really difficult to to blame this defense for anything that happened in this game they had a great plan and so I'm getting text messages. I'm in my fantasy football finals, semifinals this week. So I'm getting I'm getting angry and excited text messages all at the same time. But yeah, it's really hard to to look at this defense and say, man, they could have done a lot more. They they played an excellent game. The Browns bailed them out a little bit down the stretch of that game, right? Like David and Joku had, you know, looked like he had a touchdown catch. Donovan Peoples Jones looked or I think it was Donovan Peoples-Jones. Looks like he had a touchdown at the corner of the end zone. Neither of them could hold on. And then Carl Granderson, as as you saw, came up and made that sack on the fourth and 10 to effectively end the game. One interesting thing on that play is Carl Granderson was not in coverage. If you if you go back and watch that replay, he's coming from, from off camera. What happened was he was trying to chip David Njoku up the field because they like to go to David Njoku in those situations. You saw that against the Bucks a few weeks back on a fourth down play. Touchdown, David Njoku back at the end zone. They ended up winning that game in overtime. Very similar situation. The Saints were not going to let that happen. So they sent Carl Granderson out there to chip David Njoku. Well, he had to, he had to kind of chase him upfield to get there. He did shut him down and then he had to come back up and try to get to Deshaun and he did. He got there. But that's that's what happened. He wasn't like he was coming from the secondary. It was an interesting thing, but that's kind of how it worked. But let's go through some of the stats here because they're not exciting. None of these stats are exciting, but you look at, you know, what the Saints were able to do and it, it is a very efficient game for them despite the conditions, right? You had Alvin Kamara, 20 carries, 76 yards. Taysom Hill, 9 carries, 56 yards. David Johnson, 7 carries, 16 yards. Adam Prentice, 2 carries, 5 yards. 
and one key first down from him. And then Andy Dalton had one carry for negative one yards. Andy Dalton only threw the ball 15 times. And when you look at these teams and you look at what they ended up doing, you know, you can really criticize Kevin Stefanski for, you know, Nick Chubb ran it 24 times. He should have run it 30, 35 times. Like, there is no reason that Deshaun Watson should have thrown the ball 31 times in this game, but that's what he did. He went 15 for 31, 135 yards and an interception. He also ran in that touchdown in the first half, the Browns' only touchdown of the game. And that came after the Saints' interception that tipped off Juwan Johnson's hands and was returned, and they scored that touchdown, the Browns did, in the first half. Now, I think that play, the Saints kind of learned their lesson, right? And so after that drive, you saw them get really, you know, go in a shell a little bit and start handing the ball or start snapping it to Taysom Hill and giving him his carries. And, you know, why it took until three minutes left in the first half to start doing that? It worked. It worked. Nine carries, 56 yards. The Saints are now, I want to say, three and one in games where Taysom touches the ball at least nine times. And it's not exactly a mystery, mystery why that has happened. Um, Keith Kirkwood had a game that he's going to want to forget, right? He has, was targeted twice. Both he probably could have come down with. The second one, it's hard to blame him too much. It did look bad. It hit him on the helmet, but I really do think that ball got blown way off course from where it was supposed to be. So I'm not going to I'm not going to give him too much grief over that, but you know, it's it's one of those things, right? You end up without Chris Olave, without Jarvis Landry, you haven't had Mike Thomas all year and you end up having to throw to Keith Kirkwood. In those situations, you know, you would much rather have that be Chris Olave. Um, Rashid Shahid led the Saints in receiving four catches for 41 yards. Kamara had two catches for 34, one of them a 29-yard catch and run on a choice route. I, why they cannot throw to him more than they do, I will never understand. But, hey, you know, this is the 2022 New Orleans Saints. I'm sorry I have a light flickering. I'll fix it at the break. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, the guy that everyone seems to hate and never makes a tackle, Tyron Matthew, led the Saints in tackles with 11. Six, uh, five assists, so he had six solo tackles. So he is still number two on the Saints in solo tackles. He probably will he will probably surpass Pete Warner next week if, if Pete doesn't play and lead this team in solo tackles. So that's the guy that everyone likes to hate. Cam Jordan, a good game for him, even though he didn't get a sack Seven total tackles. Caden Ellis, seven total tackles. Carl Granderson, six tackles in that sack. Um, Daniel Sorensen, I thought, played really well in relief of Justin Evans. Um, you lost Andres Pete to a, I want to say, ankle injury, and you lost Justin Evans to a shoulder injury. Um, I don't know what's wrong with the safety shoulders, but it seems to be the new contagious injury is shoulder injuries because that's what kept Marcus May out for this game. Um you know, Amari Cooper, six catches, 72 yards, really did the Saints a favor with that drop at the end of the first half. I think Deshaun Watson had roughly 17 seconds. That's an exaggeration. But I, I want to say it was around seven seconds in the pocket on that play, and he found a wide-open Amari Cooper, and uh, Amari did not help him out. But, you know, the Saints, I feel like the Saints have had such bad luck in those situations that it was they were due, they were due for some positive bounces of the football. And they finally got them. Today, you know, it is funny because the Saints and the Browns have the same exact record, but the Saints are still alive and the Browns are not. The Browns were eliminated from the playoffs in this game. And, uh, you know, if you're one of the people that really, really, really uh, doesn't think Deshaun Watson should uh, should get a lot of get a lot of shine, you know, you're happy after this game um, and you're happy the Saints didn't end up with them, uh, even if even if that means you're still trying to figure out who the starting quarterback is for the Saints going forward. 
Um, but all right, that's going to wrap up the rant segment of this episode of Inside Black and Gold. Again, my name is Jeff Nowak. Hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we're going to come back. I know there aren't a ton of comments in there right now, but we're going to come back and answer some mailbag questions. If you have them, throw them in there and uh, we'll get to them. We'll see. We should be able to get to them all because there aren't a lot in there. Um, but anyone watching, I appreciate it. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe there. If you're on Facebook, give us a like. And uh, I'll be back in a second. Drop your comments in and we'll get to them after the Saints. 17 to 10 win over the Browns. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak, getting you up to speed after the Saints' 17-10 victory over the Cleveland Browns. The first time all season the Saints have won back-to-back games. And the first time in Dennis Allen's career that he has won back-to-back games. Now, you could get super technical and say he won last year in in relief of Sean Payton and then he won in week one of this season but I don't think he would consider that to be back-to-back wins and uh, I'm not going to either so this is officially the first time in Dennis Allen's career he has won back-to-back games and so now if you're the Saints you're trying to win back-to-back-to-back-to-back games and uh, that sounds unlikely but not impossible and uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna keep watching that that Eagles game they scored another touchdown so they're up 10 points so if you have to go to New Year's Day against a team that does not try, you know that has t- no incentive, you know, uh, I don't hate I don't hate that ability. Uh, if you're the Saints, all right. So let's get some some questions. It's gonna be the live mailbag portion. If you're watching, you want to throw a comment in. You want to get you want to you want to tell me how stupid I look with his hat on. You want to tell me how much you hate Dennis Allen or how much you know Taysom Hill should be getting the ball more. You know, I agree with all those takes. So you can put them in there, and I'll agree with you. Anyway, throw them in there wherever you're watching. Hit a comment, and uh, I'll get to them. But first. Tank a ton three beats. Now that I'm sorry, Tonk a ton three beats. That's quite a name. Says maybe I should keep wearing my Saints skull cap like the last two games. Well, if they if they win and you are wearing a certain piece of equipment, then you should continue wearing it. Now I have to wear this hat next week, and uh, I probably will. Although it's supposed to be a lot warmer next week. I looked up the the forecast, and it's going to be in the 60s when the Saints get to Philadelphia. So uh, we won't have to hear about the unbearable cold anymore after this one. Tier 1 Solutions 28. Unfortunately, DA will be saved. Shame. And here's another one. It says, I hate that DA probably saved his season. He's a nice person, but not a head coach. He should have been released after the Tampa meltdown. You know, I, like, I get it. I really do. I understand why people feel this way. Um, but I need you to understand this is not the way the Saints feel. They could have lost out. And I don't think that DA would have been fired unless there were other factors coming around you know if players were revolting if they were doing that I've said this you know repeatedly this is not a team that's going to hit a knee-jerk reaction and fire the head coach in year one not going to and and I think this result is a good example of of why the team does not does not feel this kind of resentment toward the head coach the team is still playing hard Right, you are still putting up positive results, and you know it's like obviously like the Brown, the, the the Bucks game, right? You blew that game, but you know it was a good game. You played a good game, and you blew it. You know, like we can pretend that that it's all on the head coach, right? We can pretend that it has nothing to do with the players not executing, but like this team isn't going to fire Dennis Allen. I'm sorry. Like maybe if Sean Payton walks back into town with Tom Brady in his arms, I've said that previously. There's a chance, but that's not going to happen. Just to just to restart with somebody new, but yeah. 
Ryan McGee, did AK break or tie Colston's Saints TD record today? He actually did get asked about this in the post game. Alvin doesn't like talking about his own stuff. And uh, so he kind of just brushed it off. Um, he, if you go back, it's the answer where he talked about how it's been a down touchdown season for him, which of course it is. He had three touchdowns against the Raiders, which is when he got to one shy of Colson's record of 72. And he took him five weeks to actually tie it. But yes, he did tie it today. I want to say that he is his 49th career rushing touchdown. I think he has 22 receiving touchdowns and then one return touchdown which he got during his rookie season he's also two rushing touchdowns shy of tying mark ingram for the franchise rushing td record but yeah so his next touchdown will give him that solo record and he's not a guy that strikes me as someone who really cares that much but it's it's going to be a record in his uh column either way there's Tonka Ton again. The players, I think, need to adjust to some plays of their, of their own, like Joe Burrow did at LSU. He basically called the plays based on the defense. He read Dalton should be as well. I mean, every every NFL quarterback is expected to understand how to audible and to read a defense and to, to check into uh, looks. In this game specifically, you know, you're not doing a ton of that. You're, you're, you're running it. Yeah, and you're running it again, and you're running it again. He threw 15 times. I actually think they got a little too aggressive in the passing game in the first half of this game. And when the the interception ticked off Juwan's hands, and you kind of saw like, okay, this is how you lose this game by being by being mistake prone and doing silly things and not just pounding the ball down their throat like they're going to try to do to you. And when they went down 10 to nothing, I didn't think they were going to have. I didn't think they had the juice to come back. But you know that they sandwiching halftime with scores, which you know, Tom Brady was always the best at that. You know, it seemed like every game he was he was pulling something off like that. It changes the dynamic of a game, right? Like when you're able to do that and you're able to completely swing momentum, it can change in a hurry. And uh, and that's what happened in this game. But in most cases, you know, the quarterback does have the ability to kind of shift. And it's the reason that people remember it from Joe Burrow in college is that it's it's a lot it's a lot rarer to see a college quarterback with the ability to read and react the way that the way that Joe did, right? Like a lot of NFL, I'm sorry, a lot of college quarterbacks, they're just they're running the plays. You know, they're they're doing the check with me's on the sideline. If the coach tells them to check, they'll check. But like in in Joe's case, you know, he he had the ability to to do that on his own, and that's part of the reason he was so dominant in college. In the NFL, everyone's expected to do that. So that's not as big of an advantage. And Andy Dalton certainly can. Andy Dalton is I don't what is in his twelfth NFL season. He can certainly read a defense and react to it. Um the the issue today was just the inability to do anything creative. Right? Like even even on the throws that didn't get completed, you know, like the Juwan Johnson interception, it's not really on the throw. It's a diving catch. It's one that he'd probably make in reasonable conditions. I'm not blaming Jawan for tipping it up in the air, and it's just not a catch that you can expect him to make in the in these conditions. Keith Kirkwood, you know, those are two catches that if his hands aren't numb, he probably makes. You know, well, the second one, I, I genuinely believe that the ball got blown off course. At the, like there was a gust of wind that changed where the ball was at the last second, and that's what happens when you're trying to deal with that wind. And in the fourth quarter, you are playing into the wind, and that's why there's a significant difference. And uh, I think Andy actually did did mention that um, in his post game. Uh, yes, there was. I mean, when you were against the wind, I felt like there was. Uh, I mean, you can definitely tell. And 
Um, I mean, the way it was today, you could go out there at times and you didn't feel like the wind was a factor, and then it would gust, and uh, you just didn't know when the gusts were going to happen. Was was that specific on that last Kirkwood one that, that almost kind of hit him in the helmet? I mean, did that feel like it was going to the exact spot, and then it almost kind of got projected by the wind at the last second? Yeah, that's you know, that's one of those things where it's unfortunate. I felt like it was in a in a good spot, and then at the last second, I think the ball moved. Yeah, and so that's what happens. And so, like, you can check into the perfect play. You can have the perfect play designed. You know, if a gust of wind blows the ball four feet to the left of where it was supposed to be and where you were planning on it being, it's not going to matter whether you have the right play or not. But, I, I mean, I, I agree. I think this offense does get too too bogged down in its in its ideas sometimes. It's like, just make the common sense play call, right? Why why are you not just, just lining up and running QB power in this game? Like, even, like, the excuse, the excuse that Dennis gave and, you know, it's it's not on Dennis. It's on Pete, you know, and and I, I agree very much with the takes that I think you should find a more innovative offensive coordinator to to run this offense and, you know, next season. But, you know, that's something that you really have to put on put on Pete. Uh, I mean, like how, there's no excuse for not running just a QB power set. And the excuse that Dennis gave, um, which is fair to some extent is, you know, you're putting him up there, you're putting Taysom and Alvin in the backfield and it's a read situation. So if you are getting a certain look, you are doing a certain thing. It is not like, well, it's looking this way, but I want to keep it. No, it's, you know, you're doing a box count and you're like, okay, this is where you hand it off. This is where you hand it off. This is where we're going to shift over. And so because you were getting certain looks, it meant that Taysom wasn't getting the ball. And I would counter with fine call a power run and say Taysom's taking the ball <laughs> because they didn't stop him. They didn't stop him. He had nine carries. He should have had 15. Um, and they got away with it uh, because they were able to be hyper-efficient sandwiching half, and they got a key turnover. But if the Saints had lost that game, we would be talking about how they completely bungled the most obvious obvious play-calling situation that we have seen. Is like this is a game Taysom Hill is built for. Just give him the dang ball and let him run with it. Jonas, Avery, Tomasi, I can't for the life of me understand why DA won't leave Taysom in when we are in rhythm. Well, I mean, again, this is a good example of like people want to just blame Dennis Allen for everything. But Dennis Allen is not calling the plays. Like, and I think part of it is for such a long time, whenever anything went wrong with the offense, you could blame Sean Payton because he was calling the plays, right? Like it was not unfair to blame Den- Sean Payton when the offense wasn't doing a certain thing, right? When the offense was making decisions that you didn't agree with and they didn't run in certain situations when it made more sense to run, you know, when they, with the time management, that sort of thing like that, it was, that was on Sean. But if the defense did something oddly dumb or like the call didn't make sense, that, that would have been something that you couldn't really blame on Sean because he wasn't the one calling it. He made some bigger decisions and like he would decide whether you were doing certain things but he wouldn't call the plays like in this instance Dennis is making the decision of like okay are we going on fourth down should we run it versus pass it on like a fourth and short a two-point conversion that sort of thing clock management stuff he's not deciding whether Taysom's going to stay on the field or not in any certain situation like you have to deputize your play caller for that and if he is having too much of a say in the play calling that's a problem too you need your play caller you need your offense coordinator to be able to make those decisions on their own otherwise you're just getting bogged down like does Dennis Allen like I have criticized Dennis Allen plenty does he seem like a guy who you want to be giving more responsibility to in game no you need to be able to deputize the offensive coordinator to make common sense decisions
And if Dennis has to go over there and say, hey, Pete, can we give Taysom the ball and let him run it? Then that's an offensive coordinator problem that you need to that you need to adjust and fix. And it's not something you can fix in season, but um, it's frustrating to say the least. Like I was very frustrated when you got to the end of the first quarter playing with the wind and you just did not use Taysom Hill at all. I think Taysom Hill should have if you're if you're putting him in there, he should be having the option to throw passes too. Like this was a very, very limited Taysom game plan in a game where it should have been wide open. Uh, and it wasn't. So they won in spite of it. And you're not going to deal with conditions like this again. Even in Philadelphia, it's going to be a lot warmer. You might have some wind, but you're not going to have crazy 30-mile-an-hour winds because they're not right next to Lake Erie. Um, but, you know, it, it's just frustrating when you have the pieces that make sense and you don't use them in the way that makes sense. Uh, and that's that happens too often for this offense. All right, well, foreign company, in order for this to work, we need – with DA, we need an offense coordinator who has an alpha mentality and a new creative approach. I agree with that 100%. And it has nothing to do with whether Pete Carmichael is a good offensive mind or whether he's a good coach. I, I don't think that he has, and you put it the correct way, I don't think that he commands a room the way you need to when you don't have an offensive head coach. Because you never had to with Sean Payton. And I, and I think that, you know, if you're asking him, if you, if you want him to be honest, he would be honest and tell you that, yeah, he's not an alpha. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really kind of shown this year. I think some of the difficulties when you switch sides of the ball with the head coach and you don't have an established like leader of that group. And I'm just not sure if you have it, but I I agree with that. I think that that is when you're looking at how you can make changes this off season without cleaning house, because they're not going to, you know, that's the most obvious place. And you can, you just want to find someone who's going to, who's going to bring fresh perspective and, and make some, you know, like you don't have need, you don't need the Matt Canada's of the world, but you know, bringing up someone from the college ranks who can be a little more creative, especially if you are going to continue to incorporate Taysom Hill in this very college way, why not bring up a college offensive coordinator who, who might have some, some chops that you, that you wouldn't already have, you know? So we'll see if they do that. I also wouldn't be surprised if they just run it back with Pete Carmichael, <laughs> to be honest, because the Saints front office is absurdly dedicated to the people in the room. Too fast for death. Andy made some really good throws. Yeah, I mean, Andy Andy didn't have a bad game. You know, the interception obviously was tough, but, you know, all you can do is throw it where you're supposed to throw it. I think they threw too much. I think 15 passing attempts was probably more than you than you needed. Like, I like the fact that they just handed it to Taysom three times or, you know, snapped it to Taysom three times in the red zone late in the first half because the only thing you could have done there and 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 made a mistake was throw was turn the ball over, was throw an interception. And they made sure not to do it. You didn't get in the end zone, but, like, you needed to assert your will in that situation. Rose City, you heard M3, says the Eagles, the Eagles uh, just fumbled. So they're up 27-20. It's uh, it's all right. It's all right, guys. It's all right. I do have Devonte Smith in my fantasy matchup, and he he apparently had a big play. So let's keep it going. All right, Eugene Sutherland is one more. He says it is still hashtag Dennis Allen fired for me. I get it, y'all. I I really do. I get it. It's frustrating. Six and nine. You know, when when you look at the grand scheme of like the NFL and like how how bad teams operate and how good teams operate and and like where things can go and how bad it can get. The fact that you're six and nine and a stone's throw away from finishing eight and nine, right? Like for how bad this season has gone, like keep in mind, you know, like look, go look over at Houston. Go look over at that one and 12 team. You know, like there's some bad teams out there 
and in the end at the end of the day like the biggest difference between a between a team that's on track and a team that's not on track is whether you have a quarterback in the building and so that's to me that's the bigger question than Dennis Allen is who is the quarterback for this team and it's not it's not Andy Dalton it can't be Andy Dalton like he is the quarterback right now and he's he's 35 years old and he's good enough to be a placeholder and a bridge but you need to figure out who the long-term starting quarterback is and you know like you're not going to you're not going to hire a coach until you have an idea oh, the Texans did win today so great they have two wins Oh, they beat Tennessee 19 to 14. Yep. You're not going to hire a new head coach and say, okay, yeah, go find a quarterback, right? Like you, you need to figure out who that long-term answer is um, before you, before you try to drag someone else into this, into this, this fire. Um, and if Dennis Allen can win games in the process, then he's going to be the guy that keeps leading this team. Um, but yeah. And the problem is you don't have a quarter, you don't have a first round pick that you can go draft him with, but it does seem like, uh, Sean Payton is, uh, is, uh, you know, kind of getting, getting things done. He, uh, it looks like he's got Vic, Vic Fangio on the line. That's what Adam Schefter reported that he's already kind of put together a coaching staff for his eventual new team. And Vic Fangio would be his, his go-to defensive coordinator, obviously a guy that Saints fans know well, um, was actually in the Superdome to talk about the dome patrol. I think he was talking about Sam Mills earlier this season, Ricky Jackson, Pat Swelling, Vaughn Johnson, those guys. So yeah, maybe you get that first round pick and maybe maybe you're able to get a... I really like Will Levis. I like his pizza opinions. He's growing on me. But all right. I think that's going to oh, wrap it up. Hopefully it warms up soon. It's cold since Steve will be on his way back from the Cleve in time for Christmas. Hope everyone's had a good holiday. Hope everyone is staying safe and uh, get some good presents tomorrow that you know and you already got one which is a saints win and uh hopefully christmas night you will get another win with a bucks loss to the trace mcsorley led cardinals all right guys thanks everyone for chiming in i know it's christmas eve so i didn't expect a whole ton of interaction but i do appreciate y'all that are here as always if you could go wherever you get your podcast hit the subscribe button uh, I do appreciate that. You know, it, it means so much to me when people leave reviews and leave comments and leave ratings. And so I appreciate everyone who, uh, who, who helps us make this a thing. Thanks y'all go saints. Peace. And Merry Christmas.